Welcome to the podcast. Most people don't, but you do. We have stories and conversations about people that are exceptional, people that are going above and beyond, people that are making a difference. Today's guest is no exception to that description. He's a, I'm going to call him a very dear friend. He's a Penn State alumni. He's a fellow Pittsburgher. His name is Adam Gollum. And Adam is the Chief Executive Officer of Primani Brothers. We had the pleasure of spending a little bit of time at a Penn State alumni event not that long ago. And as I listened to him, uh, we were on a panel discussion. I'm like, I need to get this guy on the podcast. Adam, congrats on all that you're doing and so thrilled to be able to chat with you briefly. Thanks so much. Uh, happy to talk with a fellow Penn Stater. So yeah. I'm going to start with a, a we are. That's the, <laughs> and I will respond Penn State. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, Adam, when we do these these calls, and we're very proud to say that our podcast is the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. Wow. I'm not sure how that happened, but they sent me a notice and I'm going to use that and share that and celebrate it. But what I really enjoy is being able to select individuals that are doing amazing things. If we look at your background, okay, so you're a, a Pittsburgh gentleman, you grew up in Mount Lebanon. And then, you know, you got your undergrad from Johnson and Wales, you got your master's in hospitality from Penn State, and then your career has just skyrocketed. Can you tell our listeners about growing up? Did you have this innate sense to achieve and overachieve and do be, truly? Because your career, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, it was two years in a very valuable position, three years in a brand marketing position two years in a leadership role. I mean, it was just immense. So what can you share with us about growing up and how do you think you were instilled with this drive that you have? Yeah. Um, so I uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, which, uh, you know, in the 80s was kind of a challenge town. Um, so I think you always have a chip on your shoulder when you're a Pittsburgher. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that. My, my father was an entrepreneur. Um, my mother had uh, done a bunch of business stuff. So I had a lot of exposure to business, both had their master's degrees. Um, so I, I really, education was an important thing. Um, super competitive uh, as a kid, uh, you know, and then uh, I saw that I wanted to go into hospitality. I always loved the hotel and the restaurant side, um, both sides. And I think I just fell in love with restaurants as I got in more into the business. Um, did my undergrad, uh, picked a school, Johnson Wales at the time, uh, you know, kind of a non-traditional hospitality program they had. They kind of flipped the model on their head compared to a traditional university, which I really liked. They owned a bunch of restaurants, a bunch of hotels. So you got some real practical work experience. And uh, then I did my grad school at Penn State, which was like night and day difference from, you know, Johnson Wales small school in Rhode Island to, you know, I think the first week in there, I went to a football game, 108,000 fans and my undergrad didn't have sports. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, like yeah. slapping your face all of a sudden. Yeah. And so they, so going back to the growing up aspect, mm -hmm. um, the competitive stuff, the, the competitive nature, was that self-driven? Did, did that come from internal motivation or did you have older, older brothers and sisters that you were competing against or neighbors? Just show yeah. with I mean, what that's some, like. Some self-driven. I also had an older brother um, mm -hmm. that was, three years older than me. Mm -hmm. I had to think for years in school. So I remember, uh, you know, I was always kind of in his shadow and freshman year running cross country and I'm out on the course and somebody yells to me, you can beat your brother. And I'm thinking like, he's one of the top runners on the team. But there he was ahead of me. And it was like crowning accomplishment in my life, you know, as a freshman, a ratty little freshman. But yeah, no, I mean, I think, 
always a competitive nature, really into sports. Um, I was never big enough to play like football, um, but uh, you know, I, I love football. It's my favorite sport. Um, yeah. Never had the skills to play basketball, but love college basketball. Okay, so competitive nature, sometimes with your brother, and then just this internal drive. Did you did you did you get a sense that you wanted to be, let's say, like your father from an entrepreneurial side? Yeah, I mean, I originally thought I was going to do entrepreneurialness um, in an entrepreneurial state. I, I kind of said I've ended up in a career of entrepreneurial, um, yes. where I've I've ended up in a lot of um, historically older companies. I mean, I've worked. I think the youngest company I worked for was fifty years in business. Mm. Um, so how do you reinvent an, uh, an old company and bring new things? Um, I love technology. So I was always kind of the, the tech guy mm-hmm. um, at the organization. Um, and then in college, you know, really involved, heavily involved in my fraternity. It was probably the, uh, where I spent the most of my time, but always had a leadership role mm-hmm. there. Um, from the time I got into the fraternity to the time I left, I was always in a leadership role in the fraternity. Mm-hmm. Always, you know, kind of stepped up, wasn't the guy who was on the side. Um, and why do you think you did that? You know, I don't know, but I always, um, you know, I always wanted to set the direction. And I think that, you know, I look back at like the fraternity was key piece um, to my leadership growth. And then I had an opportunity, the university, uh, Johnson Wales had a, uh, a kind of a world famous museum. Um, and I had an opportunity to work there when I was in um, college and uh, very fast ascended to a, a kind of leading the operation side of it, the business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a, uh, and a couple hundred thousand visitors a year and um, a huge staff. And, you know, as a student, you know, mm-hmm. senior year, I'm, I'm supervising a staff and leading operations. And yeah, I just and, always one of those guys that just jumped in and took yeah. control of the situation. Yeah. And how do you think other people at a very young age, how are they perceiving you, Adam? I think at times, um, in a, you know, because I'm so driven, I think sometimes people are, yeah. and I still have this today. It's like, you know, either get on, I move so fast and get on the bus. Sometimes I don't always bring people along. That's probably uh-huh. my biggest downfall. Okay. Um, I also can see the, I can see the future without, uh, sometimes clearer than other people. So it's, you know, I think there's that, but, um, I think there's also, you know, some of my close friends, there's appreciation, that somebody would step up or a group of us would step up and take control of the situation or lead. Yeah. And I've been actually talking about this topic just recently. There's a new topic that I'm sharing. It's called doing decency. And one component is care enough to be aware. Mm-hmm. And also when you see something, not just say something, but see something, do something. And already, I mean, from what I know about you, Adam, you are the definite, you are the definition of do something, right? You saw that there was a need in your fraternity. I'm going to step up. You saw that there was a need for technology and older company. You're going to step up. Um, can you share with us a little bit about your choices upon graduation? So I know you you, you did some work for Eaton Park, which is yep. again, another Pittsburgh tr- tradition. Um, and then you know your progression from there. Can you tell yeah. us about your first experience? Because Eaton Park was a rather established company as well, correct? You yeah. Know? So um, Sarah Parks, uh, the director of the Penn State. Uh, hospitality program at this time uh, said to me that Jim Broadhurst, I think he was vice chairman of the Penn State Board of Trustees, was going to be on campus. And um, she thought I should spend some time with him. That'd be a great fit for us. And mm-hmm. so um, met with him and I was like, yeah, you know, sounds great what you're doing, but I really don't want to come back to Pittsburgh. And he kept saying, send me your resume, send me your resume. So I was like, I, I, that's not where I want to go work. You know, so uh, about two weeks later, I get a call and it's Jim Broadhurst and you know, he's the CEO of the company. And he's like, I thought you were going to fax me your resume. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I'm not sure. He's like, fax me your resume. So I faxed him my resume and then he invited me down, spent a day with his team 
um, and then ended up doing an internship with them and just kind of fell in love with the organization. Great rent company. Uh, the family that owns it's phenomenal. Jim's probably one of the most visionary leaders. Um, so, I, you know, I was there for 13 years in various roles, kind of started in marketing was mm-hmm. where they found a home for me, um, but then really built out a lot of their technology, worked on a lot of new business projects, um, ultimately built out kind of an online e-commerce business and a wholesale business for the company uh, with cookies. Uh, it was a great, great organization. It was probably one of the toughest companies to ever leave because yeah. I had a real personal connection to them. But, you know, just there was a point where I needed to spread my wings and go work at a bigger company. Yeah, sure. So, what do you think, Adam, what do you think your greatest learning was from the 13 years with Eaton Park? Yeah, I think the um, people before profits, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I think I watching Jim and his family, how they took care of people um, yeah. and and how they put people first and, um, you know, the, the, the longevity in that organization is unbelievable. I think they have like something like 500 people have been there more than 25 years. It's a shocking number. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the way he approached people, the way he was approachable, the way he was, um, you know, extremely probably he's done very well in his life, but he didn't come across as that. Got it. Okay. So then Eaton Park, learning yep. people before profits, and then people are probably tapping you on their shoulder in a certain park. Then you go to Giant Eagle. Yeah. Yeah. So Giant Eagle, um, I joined there. They were starting a internal group, which was the whole goal was really two focus. One was they brought a bunch of restaurant people in um, because they wanted to be more restaurant focused from a grocery store and convenience store standpoint. So I was mm-hmm. part of that team. And then also really worked on a kind of an internal group that was the goal was to put the company out of business. It was really the vision was that like this group would come up with ideas, which on paper sounds great, but in an organization with 40,000 employees and 75 plus years of history, that doesn't work. Um, it was a horrific experience to work on that team because no one, no one really wanted to work with you internally. Yeah. So look, can you just re-explain that? I want to make sure that I got Yeah. They, so they had like an internal think group um, or a team that the whole focus was like, come up with ideas to put us out of business. So, okay. you know, put the current business model out of business instead of somebody else doing it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Which is on paper sounds great, but internally it just was like, people were just rooting, rooting against you. Um, yeah. And I think there's probably other ways that you could phrase that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, like, um, you know, look, what are the ways that we can triple the size of our business instead of right, thinking about the threats that we could come up with? Yeah. We need to anticipate. I understand the concept. It was an eight year old, 80, 90 year old company with lots of tenure. It was not a good role. So, uh, about, uh, and also from a, a, you know, a restaurant guy where you talk 30% food costs and I'm looking at the first financial statements there on their restaurant business. I'm like, is this food cost or is this margin? They were running like a 60, 70% food cost. Like oh, just, wow. you know, the world of restaurants and the world of restaurants inside a grocery store have never met. Um, so it was about eight or nine months in, went through a mass layoff in the organization. I ended up surviving, um, basically got rid of everyone I worked with. Um, and so I moved into a new role there to run marketing for the supermarkets, which was the largest business. Um, and then from there, moved in a bunch of different roles over time. Um, yeah. ultimately running. Us. Yeah. Yeah. No, go. Oh, I, I was going to say, can you tell us, tell the listeners rather, what was your greatest learning from that experience? I mean, I think from, uh, um, I went through four rounds of layoffs. So, I mean, it's a very humbling to lay people off is probably the worst part of the job. So I think my. I really had two learnings from that organization. I think that was number one, mm-hmm. um, was like, this is what happens when you make mistakes. So like the, you know, you you to lay people off is, uh, to lay peer, I had to lay peers off. It's just, it's terrible skill. Um, but I think the biggest piece is that company is extremely analytical driven. So my analytical chops were dramatically improved by working there. Um, 
you know, the company has unbelievable data and really was at the forefront of kind of using data to drive their business. So uh, it really, it was almost like a, a master's program in data analytics. Okay. Amazing. So here we go. People before profits, one, yeah. one element, adding to yeah, knowledge base. Then, the then one profit point. before, profits before people. Yeah. So interesting. I know. And, it, and was, now, it was like shocking. It was shocking to come from such a, uh, a people-centric company to this, where I had to start, you know, doing layoffs. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, yeah, and no disrespect to any of these companies. No, just personal learnings, right? Personal yeah. learnings. So then, tell us about how did you get the opportunity to start working for Primani Brothers? Now, for our listeners, this is going to go out to about a hundred thousand people. There's an awful lot of folks from Pittsburgh. There's an awful lot of folks that know about Primani Brothers. I would like you to explain it here in a moment, but can you tell us about the transition and how did it come about? Yeah. Because it is- Yeah, I mean, Giant Eagle, Giant Eagle was at a place that I, um, it wasn't where I wanted to stay long-term. Um, so I uh, I was looking and um, looking at multiple things from, you know, investing in a company to acquire a company to um, joining, you know, exploring lots of options. And uh, one day a headhunter called me and said, we got this opportunity in Pittsburgh. It's a restaurant chain. Do you know anyone? Which means that, are you interested? And I said, you know, then they signed the NDA and then they tell you who it is and it's Permani Brothers. And I'm like, oh my God, I grew up with this brand. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was this small company. So I'm like, you know, I thought they had five or six restaurants, not knowing they had 30 at the time. Um, so probably interviewed with them for four to five months well, with the CEO and the board. Um, it was a it's a 90 year old business today, um, but at that time it was 85 years old, um, 84, 85 years old, and uh, had grown great, but had had a couple uh, hit a couple speed bumps along the way, and was looking for somebody to come in and rethink the growth strategy of um, how the brand grows to new markets, how the brand fills back in their existing markets, and how the brand grows day to day in the existing business. Mm-hmm. So um, joined there in 2018, spent two months working in the restaurants, um, you know, really learning the business from the ground up and. Uh, was promoted to president, I think, in, don't call me to these days, I think 21, yeah. sometime during the pandemic. Yeah. So, um, and then CEO, uh, promoted to CEO at uh, end of 22, but really started in 23. Yeah. Um, January yeah. 23 was starting. Again, incredible growth, in, incredible contributions. Can you share what Primanti Brothers is all about? What they're famous for? Yeah. What, what you believe they stand for? Yeah. So, um, Founded in 1933, uh, there are lots of stories out there, but the you know the story here a lot is their um, truck drivers were driving late at night, and they wanted everything on one on the sandwich that they could eat with one hand, so they put the French fries in coleslaw on these really big sandwiches. Um, and fast forward to today, we have 41 restaurants in four states. Um, we've got four under construction, wow. so uh, 45 almost over 2,000 employees, and uh, really a great kind of regional. I call it a regional powerhouse brand. Um, that's kind of, you know, we were acquired um, in a group of investors in 2013, and we just had a new round of investment last year. Um, so I kind of feel, it feels like a little bit of a startup, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a smaller company, um, but uh, we've got some big resources behind us and um, looking to grow. Uh, you know, we really try to offer, I call it extreme value. We play in this space of casual dining today, but really on the low end of uh, price point, but really offer our fans extreme value, great experience. Um, from an employee standpoint, we are probably the most rest- unrest- or least restrictive brand I've ever worked at. We're really like the more tattoos and 
ear piercings you have, the more the merrier. Um, you know, we really tell people to come to work as they are. Yeah. Um, they bring themselves. Um, so, you know, really kind of the anti chain chain. Uh, yeah. That authentic culture. And, and I can, yeah. Right. I can share with you experiences, right? Going back to Pittsburgh and heading to the strip and mm -hmm. taking my mother, my sister, my family. And it's like, you know, welcome, hun, sit wherever you want. It was just this immediate relaxation, disarmament, if that's a word, casualness, but sincerity of, oh man, I'm home, right? I just get to be me. And yeah. that's how, at least my sense with every, and because I've been to Primani Brothers and other locations out in Monroeville, and everyone makes me feel the same way. That's is that something, it, Adam, is that something that you try focusing in on? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Away Together. Their tagline is experiencing better experiences. Their story goes like this. In 2018, they went to the Caribbean. They were in the midst of a tropical storm. This is John and Melanie, the founders. And they found that there was no platform that allowed for safe communication between all of the interesting people that they met on the trip. Then they created essentially a mobile application available for download for any device so that they could help with this communication. Well, in addition to communicating with each other as guests at a resort, a property, or a destination, they found that it was effective one-way communication to be able to reduce calls to the front desk and it would help free up staff for more effective and streamlined workflow. So imagine this, accommodations have the ability to display and promote all that the location has to offer, the local suggestions, any promotions, any special dining items, whatever they would like entertainment, whatever they would like to promote in a very safe and effective way. So please check out myawaytogether.com. We have a new head of training, a fellow Penn State um, hospitality grad. Um, so it's how do you how do you bring that to life mm. um, in an environment where you're, you know, now with 41 restaurants, how do you bring that to life? Um, because when you have five, it's easy to do that. Uh, so I think it's, it's a piece of the culture. Um, we continue to try to bring our longest term uh, tenured employee. I spent time with her yesterday. Her name's Tony Haggerty. She's been with us 50 years. Um, she is like the embodiment of the brand. And um, we were out in the event yesterday and people were stopping her asking her if she was the Permani Slate. You know, like uh, she was, she's like a, she's like a, uh, a, a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, but she's, she's the one that, you know, used to come in. She'd yell at you. She'd tell you where to sit. She'd yell at you if you didn't want, you know, French fries and coleslaw and that on the food. Yeah. So it's really this. I try to talk about it's it's uh, a relaxed um, we relax standards we have standards but we have relaxed you know standards we don't have a script yeah they don't approach the table a script we have here's here's how you should approach the table at a high level we don't give you your script we don't have a script on yeah. you know how the steps of service are supposed to go we kind of give you freedom um, to do that and I think that appeals to a, a certain employee today definitely appeals to managers we hear that yeah. when they come from some of the bigger chains and it's like holy cow it's just different. Right. Very different. And I'm sure then the retention is extremely high with Primani Brothers as well. It could always be better. You know, definitely opportunities there uh, that we're really dialing in on uh, to make sure we're the employer of choice and also the place people want to stay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, not only from making sure we're competitive from a uh, full compensation benefits package, but also a great place to work and, yeah. um, you know, giving people career opportunities. Uh, because I think that's, you know, you, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. Um, so also showing, you know, having building restaurants means grace for people that want to be operations directors, people that want to be head, we call our GMs head coaches, people that want to be head coaches, mm -hmm. you know, for building restaurants that all, you know, all of a sudden we're going to need four new head coaches this year. Um, and once we built five to six restaurants, we had an operations director. 
Right. Right. Um, so those, you know, those are opportunities for people. And yeah. I, I, uh, my goal is to promote from within a hundred percent of head coaches and operations directors, because um, that's, that's our success. I always say, we know, we know what their problems are mm-hmm. if they've worked for us. We don't know when we hire somebody off the street. So I'd rather deal with somebody we know what the, you know, what they're good at and what they're not yeah. good at. That versus somebody off the street that we have no clue. Yeah. And out of, with a company that has been established like Permani Brothers, how were you able to infuse your own type of culture to make it even better? Yeah. Um, so, you know, overseeing marketing initially, um, I think I brought a lot of technology, a lot of um, understanding of what bigger companies were doing from an analytics and technology standpoint, mm-hmm. um, but brought things, brought very things along, um, pushing decision-making down lower. So I, my team will tell you, I use a term called you have the D and you have the D means you have the decision. So oh, wow. the decision shouldn't always rest at the CEO or the, the chief marketing officer that the D a lot of time rests other places. Wow. Um, so, you know, pushing this, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have the D take it, take the, you have, yeah. The decision, yeah. Take I it have an opinion, yeah. you know, I have opinion, sure. but you have the D, um, you know, moving fast on decisions. Um, I continue to push that. Like, don't let's not overthink things. Um, yeah. it's okay to be 85% right. Yes. You know, I think there was a, there's a cultural, um, part of our culture was everything had to be hundred percent. Right. And it's like, guys, mm-hmm. just, we don't know what's wrong until we get it live. Yeah. So, uh, so go speed to market, uh, really pushing up the speed to market uh, from that standpoint. Yeah. So, and then I'm, I'm a big transparency guy. Um, I think you can only get people to come along for the ride if you explain what the issues are, what, what's working, what's not working. So, right, right. So two more questions for you. And again, this is yep. so invaluable. And I'm always looking for a certain phrase to use it for the tagline, for the headline. And you, got, you have the D. It, it, you got the D, right? You got the D. You're empowered. D. You got the D. Man. Yeah. You know, I, it's just... And I got that from Giant Eagle. We use this um, uh, thing called RASCI or RAS. RE. It was like this grid. So you could determine who had certain decisions. Okay. okay. Um, but if you simplify it down, it was like, I don't need this complex. You're going to just need to tell you that, like, you know, <laughs> move it. I don't, need to, I don't need to be involved as CEO of what, uh, what yeah. fabric we print shirts on. That's right. not, that shouldn't be at the CEO level. Right. So smart. So smart. And if it is, then you don't have the right team below you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Adam, just two two more questions. And again, this is very insightful. How are you able to maintain balance? Because you you have a family, right? You have kids, you're traveling, you're out in the market all the time, you're growing, you're always thinking. Are you able to maintain balance? I wish I wish I could. I think that's a piece. Um, You know, I think I'm the I'm uh I'm always available, but I'm not always, I would say I'm not always as present as I could be, but with the, you know, with a phone, I don't have to be in an office, uh, with the pandemic, you know, I mean, it, you, we learned very fast and everyone doesn't need to be together to be successful. Yeah. Um, so I think that helps that I can be places. Um, I can take my kids to things. Uh, my youngest daughter's into competitive cheering. I'm going to go there tonight, but I'll have my, yeah. you know, during her hour and a half practice, my laptop will be up and I'll be doing right. work and I'll right. be on the phone, making phone calls. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could say, you know, I was on vacation last week and checked email every day. Um, you know, right. I would love to be able to say I could shut the phone off for a week, but yeah. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have big responsibilities and you yeah. know what comes with it. And plus my sense is that you love what you're doing. I do. I think that there's always that vision of checking out, being able to turn, turn the phone off for a week, like the relief yeah. of that. But then you come back to 700 emails and there's things like right. what the heck happened? Yeah. But no, I hey, always strive to be better on my balance, better on time management. And good to know, right? And I'll interview other yeah. CEOs and, you know, that's not unusual, right? And they know it's something that they want to work on. So they're trying to work on it. Yeah. What advice would you have for 
new leaders. Uh, the event that I'm actually going to go to here in six minutes, it is um, talking about new leadership styles for mid-level managers. What advice would you have for someone that had been on the line and all of a sudden they are getting promoted to be a coach or they had been on the line and they're getting promoted to become a district sales leader? What advice would you have for new leaders? Yeah, I'd give advice of which I'm probably not as good at, but is um, to move slowly, um, you know, to, I think I worked, I worked for a, a woman, a giant eagle. And I remember what she said to me is, I don't care if you accomplish anything in this first six months of your job here. All I care is you make friends. Wow. Um, now the problem is I'm type A personality. So that kind of like, you see things you want to change immediately. But I, I tell our team that um, anytime we hire somebody new or promote somebody, I say, you know, spend the next couple of months just learning the business, learning your, your segment, making friends, keep a list of things you want to change, but don't change everything fast, um, which is advice I always need to take. Because yeah. uh, you see stuff like when I came into marketing, I saw stuff like day one that needed to change. Like it got to change right now. Like these are, <laughs> you know, during the same point, you're trying to bring people along with you. But yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing uh, is I always tell my, when we bring, we bring, promote people from within or bring people from outside. I always tell mm -hmm. them that like, there's no expectation for the first 90 days. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, just learn the business. And learn. Right. Listen, yeah. And get learn. a notepad and write everything yes. down you see that you want yes. and yes. <laughs> all the ideas. And then, you know, after after 90 days, let's sit down and talk through and understand where what's working, what's not working. Yeah. Incredible. OK, last question for you. And again, this is Adam Golem, Chief Executive Officer, Pramani Brothers. Um, Pramani Brothers, type it in. You can Google him. Adam's last name is G-O-L-O-M-B. Uh, terrific connections on LinkedIn, if that's an okay way to be able to connect with totally. you. Yep. To learn more about you. And again, you've been a great resource. I learn from you all the time. Can you finish this sentence? Most people don't blank. Um, I would say most people don't deliver on what they commit to. Yeah. That's probably well, my... Uh, that's my, one of my biggest frustrations is, um, and my team will tell you that I, we, we put a lot of process into that. It's like, I don't want to be a babysitter. I want, mm -hmm. I want people that can say, I'm going to do it and deliver on it and can raise their hand when there's a problem. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want, you don't have the time right now to be saying, okay, 20 people on your team said they were going to do something. You don't want to write it down on your to-do list or your should-do list that these right. people said they were going to do that. They should just do that because guess what? You have enough tasks on your list. Great people don't want to be babysat anyways. They want to. Right. right. So, no, I think that's my, my biggest frustration is that I'm going to chase people for where they are and things. Yeah. But we've, we've put some great, you know, we have a Monday. One of the things we did is every Monday morning, every department head has to um, send an email to myself and our CFO of where they are on their tasks and what, what issues do they have. Yeah. Holding so, people accountable, which is. A, yeah. A great thing. Which is yeah. great because they they raise up an issue before it sits there for six weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, Adam, this has been phenomenal, right? Congratulations on all Thank of you your so much. success, right? Uh, I will use some of your quotes, not only in promoting this podcast to our listeners, but in other people that I talk to, right? You got the D, make the decision. Sometimes you need to move slow. It's okay to move and it's okay to be perfectly imperfect. You need to take action. You need to deliver. You need to be your authentic self. And obviously, you're going to be taking Pramani Brothers to the next level. I am so thrilled to be able to chat with you. I know our listeners are going to learn tons. Any last words to you, Adam? This is no. phenomenal. Looking forward to big seasons from the Steelers and Penn State. So yes. uh, we'll know. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, we have a national championship in a Super Bowl. We can celebrate Look, that. That would be ideal. 
All right, yeah. Adam, thank you again. I will hopefully see you next time I'm in Pittsburgh if you're not traveling. And again, congratulations on all of your success. Adam Golan, so Executive Officer of Primary Brothers. Thank you, my friend. Thanks. Okay, talk soon.